0: This is the Culture Matters Podcast.
1: Hello, the Culture Matters Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to introduce you to my guests. Before I do that, here's a quote I picked just for this podcast. I am fond of pigs. Don't look up Wow, I can't even read today. This is perfect. I am fond of pigs. (laughs) Dogs look up to us. Cats look down on us. Pigs treat us as equals. Winston Churchill. Today I've got Brian Hess and Lori Hess, the one and only Lori Hess. I, I am still trying to figure out why I picked this quote, but it sounds great to me. What I'm most curious about, selfishly, is what was going through your mind, Lori, when you saw this tall, devilishly handsome, future CEO, founder of the Payment Group, and top doing all these amazing things. What was going through your mind when you first, and I'm serious about this. Yeah, what were you thinking?
2: Well, the first time I met him, he was walking into where I was currently working and then, you know, he was good looking, nice clothes, nice car, all the things. And then I found out that he was single. So then my mind went to what's wrong with him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. Have you always been so intuitive? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just assume like that's that's how I was brought up. I just, you know, mm. somebody didn't have to sh- Stuff together, something wrong with them.
1: So, by what date did you, did that start to change? Like, what was the first, you know, because now, how, how many years have you been together?
2: 11?
1: 13.
2: What? Oh, yeah, 13, 2010, July.
1: 2010. Wow. Yeah. What was the first year, few years like?
2: Amazing. I mean, literally, after the first time that we would had actual conversations, not just like hey, a quick hi or bye, he, I knew that he was special. And then it was by date three, we went to a concert. And what concert? John
3: Mayer and Train. Do
0: You remember that, Brian? Yes, very well. Why? Just uh, was easy. I- you know, I'm a big John Mayer fan. I'm not sure if she was at the time or not, but she has become one since. But, um, you know, it was, uh, was somebody that I, she was instantly somebody that I wanted to know more about. And uh, the more that I got to know her and the more that I saw her in a normal, normal environment. You know, I think when anybody starts to date They're trying to figure out what that person is really like, you know, when you, when you meet somebody, it's like a job interview. Somebody's putting on, you know, their, their best presentation, uh, so to say, and, and, you know, as you get to know somebody, you know, outside of them being able to, you know, a concert's a good example. It's hours and hours and hours together, not just dinner. A dinner date is different than, you know, a a long day, uh, you know, I always say with customers, if you take them golfing, you'll figure out you'll either sell them something by the 18th hole or you won't want to ever talk to them again. Mm. There's not really much in between. And dating is similar. It's like, man, you you figure out a lot in five or six hours together, right? And so, you know, I remember that well. We had a blast and it was just easy. That's how I've always explained our, our relationship. It was just natural and easy. And there was no... You know, it didn't require some massive amount of effort uh, to have fun.
1: Now, where where was this, Lori, in uh, what state? Where were you guys?
3: We were both
2: you? living.
3: At the time? Yeah. And what,
1: what did you imagine at that time where you guys would be today? With the family that you have, the businesses? Like, what?
2: I, did, I didn't. I mean, I knew that, you know, just from knowing him for a short period of time that he was successful and he was going to continue to be successful and he was driven all of those things. I mean, I didn't think that we would be on, you know, making child number five and he would be dabbling in all the things and dabbling in. But I knew, I, I knew that we would end up together and live in a happy life.
1: Yeah, when you said that you believed that he was special, what do you mean by
2: that? Just his heart, kind caring. It takes a while for me to open up to anybody, and I remember just, you know, being either on the phone with him or on a date, and he would ask me questions, and I would give them really the simple, like, one-word answers, mm, there's more to it than that, and I just feel like nobody cared that much to ask me, like, they were just going to follow him. They didn't want to peel away at anything. Did. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in, a, well, outside of the city of Pittsburgh. Went to a public school. Seen and did things I probably shouldn't have growing up, but I didn't really have
3: anybody to tell me that wasn't okay to do.
1: Like fights
2: mm-hmm. in the school? Oh, or- really? outside for lunch because a lot of people do drive bys. This was in the 90s before you know, crazy as it is now.
3: Did you want to move?
2: I just thought it was normal.
3: Were you in the gang?
2: No.
1: <laughs> I thought 50-50. This is going one way with this podcast or it's going another way. You gotta, you know, I wish to get a video this thing. It's in the
2: gang. But I, <laughs> I just had to, like, put on this thick skin. Mm.
1: Because if you
2: didn't, no, you on you.
1: Really? Uh, it was tough. Yeah. What do you really, do? You remember the first time that you did get teased? Me? Yeah.
2: Uh, I didn't really get teased. <laughs> I was probably a teaser. And it wasn't because it, I mean, I don't know, because I had, I was friends with a lot of people in high school, even the people, with, I, I mean, you know, stereotypical high school where there's like this crowd and the jocks and the cool girls and the meeting group, you know. I was friends with pretty much everybody. But I mean, there were some people that I was not nice to, which I'm not very proud of. In a, hindsight,
1: why do you think it was? Was that a way that you coped for something else?
2: Yeah, I just feel like I had to like pretend to be something that I wasn't. I was not, I don't ever think of myself as a mean person, even then. But I had
3: like.
2: Um, well, in high school, you about just high school or...
1: Yeah, whatever, you know, how far you want to go back?
2: <laughs> well, my parents got divorced when I was seven, and then my dad, uh, struggled with alcohol the majority of my life, and, um, so when my mom left, she took us, and, um, she was, you know, your average struggling single parent, because my dad was... Towards her. He was kind of vindictive. He didn't give her child support. like he would take us and buy us whatever we wanted and, you know, take us on his weekends, but he didn't want her to have it. He wouldn't give anything directly to her. Not thinking that that would hurt us. Mm. Um, so I watched her, you know, struggle with that. And I would go and have babysitting jobs and give her all my money, and you know, because I just hated to see her struggle. And then eventually, after a few failed relationships, not so great guys in her life, she uh, met my stepdad, who is currently still one of my favorite humans. Wow. We were very close. Um, and he pretty much changed our lives. How? Um, just he was loving, caring. He immediately accepted my sister and I wanted to take care of us all of us not just my mom you know some guy in a relationship just for the mom and you know kids are like baggage mm-hmm. that was never the case with him
1: do you think there's parts of Brian that you saw or him that you saw in Brian
2: in the heart, yes just
3: caring loving accepting
2: and it's crazy too because Scott is like he's very quiet you wouldn't know he was all these things unless you knew him. And Brian, the opposite, it's not quiet. He wants you to know, I'm here for you. I love you. Uh-huh. Yeah? But they're very similar.
1: In hindsight, what lessons do you think that, uh, be, being in that environment brought, taught you that uh, you are using today or living out today? What lessons?
2: Probably, well, it's hard because. When you're in the situation, like you just do things that you think are what you need to do to get by or survive or whatever. So like now I would say, just be yourself all the time and stick to your values and all that. But it's hard to do when you're in it.
1: What's your advice people that are listening to this that they have a, a, a child rebelling at school or in a tough situation that they may, may not even be... Fully sharing with your parents.
2: Well, who I am now, my first thing will be find Jesus together. I would say um, just talk to your child. Don't put them down. Don't criticize them. Don't tell them they're wrong. Don't tell them they're right. Talk to them because usually they're gone through something more than just trying to be bad. Mm. They're hiding stuff. They don't know how to. They don't know how to regulate regulate their emotions yet. Even if, even when you're in your early twenties, you still don't.
3: What's it like being a mom now? Now the
1: most five.
2: <laughs> um, I just know things that from my past that I know that my kids never have to experience, so I'm extremely grateful for that. And like I said, to just always talk to them about their feelings and have a feeling, even if it's something silly, so they're. So they're always so comfortable to talk to you about anything.
3: Did your dad get sober?
2: Well, so my dad had periods of his time. Like I think there was a, a five-year stretch in I when he was sober. But it was like I didn't, I didn't really know that person because like, he was like quiet. He was different. He was quiet. Mean. I don't want to say mean, but he was very serious.
1: Where what
2: was his upbringing? So that I don't I don't truly know. Because I feel like um in that side of my family, there's a lot of secrets, a lot of hush-hush, a lot of don't talk about anything. Um he had his parents were married um until my grandfather just passed. I think it's three or four years has been gone now. And he and my grandmother was like blue on family.
3: Yeah.
2: He Had uh two brothers, two sisters, so there's five of them. Um, I don't know that I heard stories when he was a kid that he was you know just as crazy as he was as a teenager and not like he had um a wife and a well pregnant wife when he was 15 in high school. It's hard, yeah. So, I mean, did
3: you ever meet her?
2: His ex wife, yeah, yes, she was a lovely. She is a lovely woman. I mean, I haven't talked to her in years,
3: but. Ask you guys I mean, I'm have baby number five? Um,
2: I want to eventually have something do something of my own, besides you know just being a mom, which I think is the most important role in period. Um, I just I feel like
3: the older my kids get, whether it's something
2: I don't I honestly don't know whether it's something with my kids or something I do without my kids. Like I just feel like my purpose is is more than you know
3: just being a mommy in anyway. What do you think, Brian? I think she have a great head start in
0: marketing. <laughs> And whatever that is. What makes why you say that? Well, we've, we've invested a lot into figuring out what works. Yeah. So that gets me excited. And I, I you know, always love listening to the ideas, right? And then I throw back the hard questions, the r- real life questions of like, okay, well, how would that work? And how would you, you know, how many customers are out there and how much is the average transaction and how would that business function, right? So, you know, trying to get her thinking, uh, you know, along those lines. And then, you know, it's cool because our, our kids are in a school currently where, you know, they're, they're part of their curriculum is exploring business ideas. And so it becomes a whole conversation as a family of like, you know, how do we, how do we do this? Right. How do we create stuff from nothing? And uh, you know, I always say this, but you know, our, our kids and, you know, Lori as well got to watch, you know, and so, Support the creation of everything that we do now from the very beginning, right? I mean, it started in our home, and so that's a—it's a pretty cool thing to be able to imagine the seeds that were planted along the way without any intention, just observation and uh, being able to watch that, and and frankly, seeing that it's possible, right? Like, you know, one of the things that I always say is like, you know, I—I I started on this journey of entrepreneurship at 38 years old because. I believe partially because I didn't really have anybody around me that showed me it was possible, right, that you could do this, that you could, you know, start something from nothing. And so, you know, to be able to have that in front of you all the time, I think entrepreneurs inspire more entrepreneurship, right? And then people get to go on their own self-discovery process of like, you know, Is that for them? Is it not for them? Uh, do they have a passion about something? I say this to her all the time. There's so many things that she's passionate about that, um, you know, she's obsessed consuming content about and learning about and, you know, and, and that's how businesses start. It's like you become obsessed over a topic. You become obsessed over solving people's problems with something. And, uh, next thing you know, you're like, the world needs this. You start to see it. You share some of your thoughts and people start to respond to you And the world. You know, today is so interconnected in that sense where, you know, you share something and everybody's got an opinion about it. Maybe they love it. Maybe they hate it. Maybe they say something, maybe they don't. They comment, they share, they DM you. Uh, it's, it's really cool the way that businesses can be hatched now by just literally starting to share your thoughts or your research or your education on a certain topic. And I think the world's becoming more accepting of, um, you know, people that are self-educated, right? They go out and just vehemently research a topic. Um, And I say this to her all the time, like, I, I think she's more educated on a lot of topics than the people that are actually in those industries, because, you know, she's obsessed over it for the right reason. It's not right now, she's just collecting information uh, for the sake of her own satisfaction. It's not to make money. And that's the purest version, purest form of education. It's like, if you are really that interested in it, its and I, I felt that way about uh, technology, about sales, about marketing, my whole life, I just loved it. it. had I had no reason to want to read those books or research those topics other than I just wanted to know about it. And that turned into uh, everything that I do today, right? And so that, to me, that's the journey of that most natural journey of entrepreneurs is that they gain this education without any uh, intent on using it for monetary gain. And what ends up happening as a result of that is generally. Uh, for those people is, is pretty significant monetary gain because there's a need out there that exists that they just come across by uh, you know really seeking out the information for a self fulfilling need of wanting to learn about it yeah. Lori, has this been your first podcast?
1: <laughs> what do you think?
2: Well it's still terrifying to me
3: <laughs> What else?
2: I don't know <laughs> It's new, so it's scary. Maybe now that I did this one, you might actually get me to do another.
3: Do you feel better in the beginning?
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean you got I'm comfortable with you guys. So it's like I don't think I'd be able to do this with a stranger. Well let's find out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's we'll do it live. Um, wow, I've got so many more questions, but I guess I think the best thing would be for you come back on the show again. Uh, final words for our listeners of this episode of the Culture Matters podcast. Please,
3: Lori. Oh, you're yeah. Sure.
2: Yeah.
3: If
0: anybody out there wants to book my wife on their podcast... <laughs> DM me, and I'll uh, I'll take care of it for you. I'll get you hooked up.